Blog Talk Radio. Another episode 
loud and proud on this September 12th, one day after the 14th anniversary of that attack on the Twin Towers in what some say may be one of the world's greatest cities, New York. It's where I held, and it's a day that I will always remember. It is the modern generation. It is the modern generation, the day of Pearl Harbor, a day that will, or at least should, live in infamy. <clears throat> I'm a little under the weather today, so please forgive me if my voice is cracking here and there, but the show must go on. And today, because it's our fifth anniversary show, I definitely could not miss it. Our topics on our show today is Our Own Voices Live celebrates five years on the air, and bringing Dr. Umar Johnson to Las Vegas. That's right, where there's a group of brothers out there that call themselves the Four Elements, that are working diligently to continue the Black Speaker Series and bring conversation and inspirational dialogue to the black community here in Las Vegas to get us to move from where we are a little bit closer to where we should be. So we thought that that would be fitting because that really is one of the main reasons for having our own voices live. Our own voices live at the radio show that came from Our Own Voices, the magazine. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America and work it together to build the greatest bridge of history to unite us. Our Own Voices Live is one of those mediums and mechanisms that we use to do this. We also have our own voices, the print and digital magazine that hopefully will be coming back to you soon because that's really where it all started from. That was an effort to educate black people on their own culture, educate other people on black culture, and then educate black people on others' culture because we're all living in this, well, some call it a melting pot, some call it a salad bowl, but we're all living here in this country called the United States of America, but maybe we're not living as together as we could, and I believe a part of that is because we know very little about ourselves and we know very little about others, and others haven't had a need to learn about us. <clears throat> not only do we have our own voice to radio, but we also have our own voice to print digital magazine. We also meet every Friday every Friday that I can recall for the last seven years. At the Westside Bistro and on the off days and the fifth Friday at Seas Rift right here in Las Vegas where we have our community gathering. And that's an effort to link us, to connect with us. Sam Smith always said that how can you work with someone that you don't know? So if you don't know, you probably don't trust them. So that maybe we should meet break bread together to learn a little bit more about the other person, learn their streets and weaknesses, their likes and their dislikes. Find out what you have in common. Focus on those things and then build from there because we'll always have pictures. 
and I believe that to be true. We will always have differences. And if we focus on those differences, we will stay where we are and maybe even slide backwards. But if we decide to focus on those things that we have in common and get a win, a W, a check mark in the completion column, we will have moved from where we were a little close to where we would like and need to be. We also participate in a veteran meeting every Thursday at Aliante Hotel and Casino. It's where a bunch of veterans get together. And one of the importance of that is that these brothers and sisters have served, but also that I believe that there are they are an overlooked commodity in the community at large and specifically in the African-American community. Our military today is the most educated military we have ever had in our history. But yet, when their time and service is over, many of them come home, and if they're able to get a job, get a job, but they're not so welcome into the community to share their vast expertise. The veterans' breakfast is a chance for us to come together as veterans, but also to discuss what's going on in our community. And hopefully one day we'll come together enough where we can assert our skills, that training that you all pay to help our community. Not that we haven't been to it, but we want to do it in a more concerted effort. <clears throat> uh, we also have the annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight uh, visual, which has been incorporated on occasion into the King Week that we have that's culminated with the Reverend Dr. Martin King Jr. Parade, one of the biggest Dr. King parades in this country that's been going on, I believe, for 35 years. Collaboration is something that we believe is very important to our mission and to help our community achieve. So our own voices live and our own voices look for others out there who shares the same or similar vision that we can work with to get some W's on the board, so to get some wins, to bring about the change that we believe that we need. You know, some people say that the media, whether it's radio or newspapers, is the voice of a community. Well, Las Vegas doesn't have a black-owned newspaper. So some might say the voice is muted, and I would agree. But then I would respond back that, well, we do have the answer newspaper. It is a religious newspaper, but it is still a black published newspaper. So we do have a voice. Now, if you're looking for that general voice, no, the sentinel voice was that, and it's no longer with it. What will be next? I say we need it. But until then, and in, in the meantime and in between time, you have our own voices and our own voices live. We come to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those East Coast listeners. And big shout-out to our listeners on the East Coast. Actually, to our international listeners, listeners especially those folks in Africa and Brazil. And it's so interesting that it sort of triangulates the United States, Africa, and Brazil. Because, of course, 
African Americans came from Africa. We were brought here. We weren't immigrants or migrants as so many others than what you typically hear. We were forced to come here. Maybe the only ones with that particular distinction. But as many of us that are here, there were even more Africans brought to South America, to the country of Brazil. Approximately 70 million people of African descent residing there. There's about 35 million here in the United States of America, so they double our population. Maybe we should establish some relation because Brazil is on the come up. But this is about more than African Americans. This is about that unique culture that we have here in America that, yes, is comprised of African Americans, where African Americans oftentimes are overlooked. I say, yes, we may not get what we feel others should give us, but how about we position ourselves to ensure that we get what we deserve? And I believe we can do that. It starts with a thought, funneled through a voice, and ultimately through action. And we have to act. We have to be active. We cannot sit and wait for others to do. We have to be the one leading the charge for our own betterment. I'm confident that that can happen. I'm confident that that can happen because of the various collaborations that I've seen locally and that I've seen nationally. Not only do we have our own voices live on the radio, that started five years ago, about fifth anniversary show, our fifth-year anniversary show. But then Brother Lee Vaughn started Real Radio, Radio Established to Address Life. Brother Thomas Berry with Rant Radio. Sister Angela Tom with Needle on the Record. And now there's been some other folks with relationship radio shows that though they're not directly affiliated with our own voices live, we do know that we had some influence on them because they called me to ask me how to start the show. And that's okay. Because there's room for all of us. Now, I do believe Ultimately, we do have to have a singular focus, and we can do that. I do believe, as I mentioned earlier, that we do have to be inspired, and words inspire us, whether it's the written word or the spoken word. And we have some brothers, they call themselves the four elements, who are working working diligently to bring Dr. Omar Johnson here to Las Vegas because he is voices that speaks out in the black diaspora, talking about the need of black people. And this is very fitting because September is International Speak Out Month. And I remember years ago I used to have a website called Speak Out America. And our tagline for our own voices is speak up. We have to speak up. We have to speak more than to just us. We have to elevate our conversation. So it's very fitting that our own voices live 
has its fifth year anniversary in the month that talks about speaking out because we do want to speak up and speak out. We have a voice. You have a voice. Let us help amplify your voice. Dr. Omar Johnson, when he comes here, he will deliver a message, maybe more than one, on how we can enhance our voice, enhance our position in this country called the United States of America so that we may be able to get more than what we've been getting. And when I say get, I don't mean give. I mean get, actively pursue, retrieve. Yes, I'm not looking for anyone to give me anything more than what I do. And we are due a lot. There's a post that's going on Facebook, a meme that says, if someone gave you $250,000, would you leave this country and go back to Africa? And my first thought was, well, I wasn't born in Africa. I was born here. And I was born here because my people were forcibly removed from Africa and taken here. And then they were forced to work for free. That's called slavery. To build up wealth for others that made this country what it is today, an economic and military powerhouse, an intellectual powerhouse, unlike anything positive world has ever seen. Yes, and then after building up this country for others, when we were finally released after a great struggle, then the same land that we helped clear, we had to raise money to buy from those who owned it because of our labor. But we did it. And we did it immediately after slavery. For us to have anything, we had to go to the people who we made rich to then buy back from them so that we could have whatever it was that we needed. And I, I think about that. I think what what a structure to keep a people oppressed is even when you're free, you didn't get any of what you felt built. You earned it because you built it. But then you had to go and buy it from the same people you built it for. So when people say, why don't you have more? I say, well, the system was set up against us from the very beginning. My question is, I'm thankful for all that we do have. And let's figure out how we can have more in this system that's built to keep us from having. Let's utilize it. Let's grow it. Let's build upon it. And I believe part of the way we do that is collaboration. Part of the way we do that is find those people who have like minds, like ideas. It may not be 100% exact, but it's close enough that you can collaborate, you can combine resources and work together to build something greater together than you did by yourself. 
Because ultimately when we're by ourselves, we tend to pull away from one another. And I say we need to cleave together. Five years, over 471 radio show broadcasts. 471. With, I lost track of how many guests we've had on the show. I guess that's a job for an intern once we get another one. How many topics we've covered? We've had over 100,000 listeners. That is something that started from nothing. An idea by my co-host. Mrs. Angela Thomas. It was her, it was she who urged me to start a show. And when I couldn't get a terrestrial based show, she's the one who suggested I look and turn to the internet. And that's how I found Blog Talk Radio. And I believe it was August 14th, we had our debut test show. And then we had our official first show. On September 11th, five years ago, that was purposely done because I didn't want September 11th to be just a day that we go woe with me. I wanted it, our own voices live, to be a symbol of how we won't be kept down temporarily be a knockdown, the temporary condition. Those buildings were knocked down. But now in its place we have one that's even taller. See that's a testament. And so I wanted on September eleventh, I wanted to be like that Phoenix rising out of the fire with our own voices live. Because just like with September eleventh where we needed to rise from the ashes. The African-American community here in the United States of America needs to rise up from the ashes of so many cities. And we need to soar again. You know, at the beginning of the show, we had Larry Henderson from New York. He goes by Locke. And talking about our history. And I wanted to tie that in, too, a little something in New York. Because when we think about it, September 11th, 9-11, was only 14 years ago. And I've noticed that it doesn't get the recognition that maybe it should get. I remember the story of the attack of Pearl Harbor, that day that we're living into me. And even though I was born right at the beginning of the 60s, growing up in the 60s, I still heard about that. I wonder if 20 years from the attack, people will still talk about 9-11. I wonder if a year from now, if people will still talk about Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray, 
Shamir Wright. You know, this list goes on and on. I wonder, will we remember? Well, I wanted our show to officially launch on September 11th because I did want to be like that phoenix rising from the ashes. Just like though they may have knocked the Twin Towers down, we rebuilt to something even more fabulous. Just like black people were enslaved, we came back and reconstructed. As a matter of fact, we had more colleges and universities, HBCUs, built then than we have had since then. And we have greater resources now. As a matter of fact, there is an HBCU event at Doolittle Community Center in the historic west side of Las Vegas right now, sponsored by Commissioner Weekly and others to help recruit local Las Vegas students to HBCUs across the country that was started doing reconstruction. They rose from the action. Some people say that since the 60s, we've fallen back in the action. And I say as black people, it's time for us to rise up, to lift ourselves to our rightful place in American society. You know, I shared with you a little earlier that this show, even though we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary, there would have been no year anniversary had the idea not been birthed. And the person who gave birth to that idea is my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. What up, Rodney? Five years. Happy anniversary, buddy. Thank you so much, and this <laughs> would not have been here had it not been for you. You know, uh, Angela, we've done, we've been here for five years. We have over 471 shows, over 100,000 <laughs> listeners, all because of your idea. So your baby is five years old. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I'm... Happy! I was happy to hear about your magazine, and it really did inspire. It it, it just seemed like a natural for to, to me that it it would have a radio component uh, to give us and our audience an opportunity to verbalize. You know, like the title says, our own voices. It 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 just seemed like a natural uh companion to the magazine and when you that first conversation um when Sam insisted Sam Smith who introduced you to me and me to you and he insisted in fact one day he got really firm with both of us and said look y'all better pick up the phone right now and get to dialing the other person's number and when we finally connected and you talked to me about your magazine concept and why you had uh, created the the magazine. What still resonates with me to this day is that you want you said to me that you wanted to highlight unique things about everybody's culture. Everybody has something in their culture that would serve to enlighten others outside that culture. That's always been an inspiration to me. 
what we've tried to do with that 400-plus shows is show the expanse of humanity that we have more in common than than not in common. I can't believe that it's five. This show is five years old. I can't believe that, you know, we've sort of kept going. You know, the first broadcast, I had broken my ankle and I'd had surgery. And just from that first broadcast, I knew that it was important, even though I was highly sedated, let's say. I knew it was important to call and support you because you thought enough of me to say, hey, let's give this a try. And, you know, I I just really appreciate uh, you moving forward with me on that vision and and my part of the, you know, what I was inspired about from, from your idea and just toughing it out these five years. Every Saturday, uh, we are not always – in the spirit of doing this show, but once we get on air and get get going, you know, the, the show always comes together. I want to thank each and every person that's contributed anything to this platform, whether it was your time that you took out to listen to it or, and especially the folks that have had particular expertise and came onto this platform because it is important that we understand our communities it's important that we understand, you know, one another better. If we did more of it, we wouldn't have uh, a lot of the misunderstandings that are going on in society right now about, you know, who who we are. Like, you know, for instance, as I was listening to you, you were talking about the Freddie Gray and Sandra Bland situations. Maybe if we did more of uh, lifting our own voices to appreciate what we have in common with the other person outside of our, you know, immediate understanding, immediate group, we wouldn't have these sad occurrences. So thanks so much for this journey. It's been full and rich. Uh, Full and rich and getting richer because many of the things that we have talked about have been national. Uh, they've had international uh, references and emphasis, but more importantly, or just as importantly, we've talked about things local to Las Vegas. Yeah. But we've talked about things local to places where some of you listeners are, whether it's in Chicago, Detroit, uh, New York, the Carolinas, Texas, you know, Sandra Bland was in Texas. We have a, a, a reporter that went down to Texas. Uh, Brother Levon went to St. Louis. You know, we had Roger Harris, a big-time political operative who's worked with us on getting guests. Sonia Thompson would be one of them who gave a series on how to start a business, how to market your business, just how to do things in general. We've had Dr. Patty Thomas to come in and talk about the sociological influences that are going on out there. We've had Dr. Garden to come on the show to talk about the psychological impacts of the various things that go on out there. We've 
had so many guests on our show. We've had entertainers on our show. Some Angela Jufford on our show. Uh, Keisha Renee has been on our show. Uh, she's toured with Nicki Minaj, and she did our theme song uh, for the show. That was a uh, sort of a new or slightly more upbeat rendition of the Black National Anthem, Let Every Voice and Sing, that we played at our Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s candlelight vigil, that where she sang it live, that we also played when we did our 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, D.C. for Jobs and Freedom, where we had people come to our fair city from Utah, Arizona, and California to participate in that 50th anniversary celebration. These things happen because of all of you out there for listening to us, for communicating with us, uh, for keeping us going, inspiring us. You know, Angela mentioned that she had had surgery. Well, she's recently had surgery again, and yet here she is on the 50-year anniversary. I think she timed it like that. (laughs) Every anniversary almost I've I've had, you know, somebody had to apply some duct tape and Gorilla Glue to me at some, you know, it's really interesting how it shakes out that way. You know, then it was the ankle, this time it's the knee. I don't know. (laughs) And and to be quite honest, I am not firing on all cylinders today. As a matter of fact, I've been at home all week, have canceled multiple meetings and appointments or just didn't attend. Uh, because I, I went on a trip. Uh, it was a Founders Day event for the fraternity, the military fraternity that I belong to, and I wound up catching a bug. And, of course, not wanting to share that bug with anyone, I've been home trying to rest mainly so that I would <clears throat> have a voice for this show today that I didn't want to miss. The show must go on. Angela said that milestone on the very first show. So the show must go on. And it goes on because of you. Because you want something. You need something. And maybe we can help you get those things that you want and need. From the various events that we do. You know, we had Brother Franklin G who for the a couple of occasions have brought in prominent black speakers to talk to us. Now we have some other people who've been inspired by that, who are seeking to bring in Dr. Omar Johnson. So I believe that we can inspire one another. We can uplift one another. And sometimes we need that in order for us to move. We can we can get comfortable. We can get complacent. We have talked about politics. We have talked about the two-party system. We've talked about how blacks have fallen into the one-party system for us. We've talked about many, many different things. One of our most popular shows recently was we talked about do We have an agenda. And it it was one of our most popular shows. 
And I think it was one of our most popular shows is because you all want to know what it, what is it? Who speaks for us? How do we how do we get across what we need? And we're going to have recurring segments on the black agenda. And some people say, well, a black agenda? Why do you have a black agenda? Why can't you just have an agenda? And I say because there are things that are unique to black people in their experience here that need to be discussed, that we need to discuss it amongst ourselves, and then we need to share it with the communities at large. Just like women have unique issues. You know, we, we've heard a debate recently about President Obama's Iran nuclear deal. <clears throat> and we heard continual reference to the Jewish community and to Israel and how we had to support it and what impact would it have on it. Can I thought the dialogue and discussion was good, but I noticed that they kept referring to the Jewish community, the needs of the of Israel, a whole separate country, and what America's responsibility was to this country and to those people who represent that country in this land. How they specifically wanted to know what did the Jewish legislators in Congress have to say about this deal and how much that should influence our president. So I reference that because when black people talk about things for black people, it should get the same attention as things when reference to the Jewish people. We've heard so much talk about immigration, May Connell and others, and it's okay. And I'm saying and I'm saying boldly, and I'm saying it through this medium that amplifies our voice and my need to amplification today, that it is okay for black people to talk about the needs, wants, and hopes of black people. We will not be silenced. As a matter of fact, we will increase the volume of our voice, and it will spread in areas where maybe it needs to be amplified more than it is. It is no harm in having a black agenda, as there is no harm in having a Jewish agenda or a Latino, Hispanic, or a Mexicano, or an immigration agenda. Those are things that make up the multiple pieces of this country. We are not a monolithic people as Americans. We often say it that we are a melting pot. Some people say we're tossed salad. There's multiple references to that salad, but we'll stick with the voice. <laughs> right. But we and, should be able to okay. talk about those things that we need. Go ahead, Angela. I was just going to add, you know, piggyback off of that and – you know, you're you're right. We've discussed many things, all of those things you've highlighted and more. I was just wondering what in the, in the five years. Five is kind of a a huge number. Four hundred plus shows. What were some of the big shows for you personally? Well, I think one of the 
one of the shows that meant a lot to me was I, I did a show about passing the baton. And what I talked about was I used the analogy of a relay race and how it's typically a four-man or four-person relay race. And you train for that race. And then you get in the race and you compete against other people who've trained for that race. They've trained how to run, how to breathe, how to focus, how to hold the baton, how to pass the baton. And then each year they get better because of the experiences from the previous year, almost generational. And why that show was so important to me was because I saw a rift in the African-American community with the generations. With some generations, the newer generation saying that the civil rights generation didn't do enough, and the folks maybe of the civil rights generation who says that the people today are too complacent and not willing to sacrifice. So I wanted to do a show about the relay race on showing how we are in the race, but we didn't get the training to participate in this race like others did, and we're competing with. So you cannot look at us the same. And for those who said that the civil rights movement didn't do enough, I said, but they did what they did. Now it's up to you to build on what they did. Whatever didn't happen, it can happen because of the work that they did. So where are you at on doing that? So it's not about who is on who did the most, but it's what are you doing now with what you have. So I, that was a, a very important show, and I, and I wanted to show how many – I'm in the baby boomer generation. We're the ones that's supposed to be in the seats of power. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be coming up on the tail end of our reign, passing it on to Generation X. Pretty soon, right? <laughs> that's a, yes, real soon. I just had a birthday, and I turned 54 years old. 54 like years young. 54 years young. Some people <laughs> who are in their 30s say it's 54 years old. So I understand right? their perspective because I used to be there. But here's the thing. Those people who were in the generation before me, many of them are still on the stage or just walking off the stage. They didn't pass the baton. Now, others say, well, no, you were supposed to go up and snatch the baton. And I said, well, yeah, if they were sticking it out for me to get it. <laughs> At this point, it might be under lock and key. Exactly. Some would suggest. And, I said, and now we have the third rung of the relay race, the the Generation Xers, who are saying they want the baton. And they're looking at me to pass it to them, but I don't have it yet. And, of course, the Generation Xers are followed very closely by the millennials. And, you know, they're in their 20s, and they're part of, They are the energy of the Black Lives Matter movement. They are the energy. Young people, it is traditional that young people are the energy. Old people are the wisdom. And I think that we have to look at history to recognize our position and then play our position. And for young people to recognize that we have experiences that maybe they don't have 
and then for us to recognize that they have the energy that we probably wish we still had. Still had, And then right? we, have to, we have to come together to work on it to build what we need. So, yes, it was a show that was called Pass the Baton. That was one of the shows that, that I thought was uh, needed. And I try to do one uh, just about every couple of years, and we'll be coming up to one soon. So, Angela, that's one of mine. Well, you've been right here along with me. We've been doing this together. So what's one of yours? One of mine, it's always for me a combination of the entertainers that we've brought to the platform, but there was one particular situation where we had just lost Dr. Maya Angelou. So, you know, it was a a situation where my good friend Allison Wims came to the platform. Uh, She's a prolific entertainer, uh, pop star from the 80s, uh, pop pop R&B star from the 80s, uh, still working, still big New Yorker, um, but had a very close relationship with Dr. Maya Angelou. And she came on the platform and just blessed us. Uh, with, you know, her helping to give us a full picture of the of the woman beyond, behind the poetry, behind this iconic career, uh, beyond the public understanding of Dr. Maya, Maya Angelou. She helped us to understand what a great human being she was personally to her inner circle of people. Allison was an integral part of Dr. Maya Angelou's going home ceremony and, you know, is is right up there with Oprah and, you know, a lot of other uh greats that Dr. Angelou had in her inner circle. So it was it was an uh that was one of that was my, my one of my favorites because it intersected the history and the importance of our story and one of our loudest, greatest voices. Uh, had left us, and you know it was just one of those moments where I was really happy that um, we had this platform because as the world was grieving Dr. Angelou's loss, we were able to bring uh, a soothing bomb not only for you and I, Rodney, but to the folks that listen to our 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 program every saturday um we were able to you know speak to that moment and 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 celebrate the woman uh that Dr. Angelou had been to her her uh inner circle and that was one of my favorites well yes and and I I remember that show. I remember that time. And, you know, as you speak about that, I have to say that when Nelson Mandela transitioned from this life into the next life, and we did the show on on that, and we talked about his legacy, we talked about his years in the prison camps, and we talked about how the guards sort of befriended him or he befriended them. And the impact that he had from the way he conducted himself while incarcerated. And then the way he moved people to eventually being set free 
and then the things that were accomplished and how South Africa changed after he gained his freedom from the oppressive regime. It was a very popular show with the listening audience, but it was a, just an inspiring show for me because what it did was it reinforced how one person can make a positive difference and impact multitudes and yeah. literally can change their environment. So that was a very uh, powerful show for me, and I was so glad that you had had some research uh, material on it that I didn't have. The, the I mean, it, I, I just thought it was one of those shows that if I wasn't doing the show, it was a show that I would want to listen to and that I occasionally go back and listen to it now. It, it inspires me to continue marching forward. That was a great show. And uh, although it was a very sad time, sad topic, the loss of such a global just I, global giant seems to minimize uh, his impact, but to um, have had an opportunity to have a voice that day was, you know, just important. And I listened to that one as well. Um, I'll say this, that having... Uh, the opportunity to speak with Dr. Robert Green on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for those who may not recognize the name, Dr. Robert Green literally walked in March with the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And even was like a godfather to the to. Dr. King and Coretta Scott King's children. Uh, this was an amazing experience for me to have a conversation. And we also did some video interviews. And uh, it's part of a series of interviews chronicling Dr. Green's uh, life with Dr. King and his life uh, after Dr. King. And just to be able to sit down and, and get the stories from someone who was there. You know, Dr. Green is like a book of, of living, walking, and talking history. And I try to get him on the show periodically because he's, he's in his 80s. You know, he's, he's, he's not a young man by any means, but he does maintain an active schedule, an active lifestyle. He's still with his, with his wife who's still there supporting him and accomplished in her own right, and he always lets us know that. And he talked about how Coretta Scott King, Mrs. King, was also an accomplished individual in her own right, a musician, well accomplished in her own right, and a civil rights activist, in addition to working with her husband. So to have him on and to have him share those intimate moments, those sort of behind-the-scenes stories that we don't see, to understand that Dr. King was a prankster, a joker. You know, he, he liked to throw pranks on people and liked to tell jokes. 
you know, I, I didn't know that until having that conversation with Dr. Green. Uh, the format of the show is a format of conversations, and Dr. Green brought that conversation with her. Absolutely. It's always uh, it's important to us as we put together the elements of this show that we uh, use this platform to also go beyond what when we when we're highlighting iconic figures like Dr. King and you know um my aunt Dr. Angelou uh it's important to us that we paint a portrait of hum- of the of the humanity their humanity their playfulness when they were with their friends and amongst their peers the uh for lack of a better term the behind the scenes of that iconic figure to let you know that you know there's so many similarities in you and that icon and that you could be right at the doorsteps of history, changing the course of history. All it takes is a made-up mind and a few steps. That's what I've learned in listening to uh, some of the folks that that we brought to the platform as it pertains to uh, talking about uh, celebrating some of the icons um, that that we've you know had the opportunity to speak to and and uh, raise their memories um, they were just going about their their lives but they also had skill sets ordinary it, that appeared to them to be ordinary skill sets dr angelou for example being a a a singer and a dancer and how that informed her as a poet how that community of being the, the community of being an art uh, an artist and producing art how that um start informed how she conducted herself just as a as a human being just peer to peer how that basicness informed the historic uh things that she was able to bring forth um with her simple you know to her a simple humble uh, skill set. So you know, I, I'm always impressed when when their friends and associates can come to the platform and help us understand that aspect of it of the person. You know, one of the things that's been really great about the show for me also is to be able to highlight locals uh, to chat with people who are doing things right here. Some of them uh, may be in the spotlight. Many others not in the spotlight, so whenever we can have those types of shows with individuals, it has been such a blessing to me. One, to recognize them publicly, though they may not have been seeking the recognition, but not not only to recognize their accomplishment, their achievement, whatever it might have been, but also to inform people of there's these things that are going on all around them that they may not know about. So whenever we've had a show like that, uh, I remember uh, Alfreda Farrell 
is right here in Las Vegas. And some people might say, well, who is that? <laughs> well, Alfreda Farrell happens to be the granddaughter of Ida B. Wells. And I hope you know who Ida B. Wells is. And we've done a show on Ida B. Wells. But to have her granddaughter on the show, and or and, and she's up in the years. She's also 80-some years old. But she actually had an opportunity to live with her grandmother for a brief moment and to share in that. And I was like, that's like, to me, that was like a time machine where we went Taking back in back. time. I'm, going <laughs> back with Dr. Green to Dr. King was like a time machine, too. But with Ida B. Wells' granddaughter, wow, to be able to touch her through her granddaughter, it's an amazing thing. And hopefully then to touch those of you who were able to listen to that show. Now, thank goodness, you can listen to the show because all the shows are, are archived, they're podcasted. Uh, you can listen to them through iTunes. You can go through Windows Media to listen to these shows. And, of course, you can go online to Blog Talk Radio and listen to these uh, these shows. And you can do a search in your browser for Our Own Voices Live, and, and you'll find us. We'll be in some of the top hits. So, you know, do, doing those types of shows where we can take people to places that that they just wouldn't be able to go on their own has been pretty amazing to me. And, you know, as you brought up highlighting some of the locals, we, we have had a number of local history makers. Uh, we've had Dina Neal on the platform. Uh, we've had Stephen Horsford on the show. Um, all history makers here uh, in the political arena. And, you know, to use this platform to dispense information is one thing, but to also have an opportunity to um, hear directly from from folks that are making their mark and, and have made mark made their mark in, in Nevada history is really cool to, to me. And, you know, the printed magazine, uh, having had uh, Harry Reid contribute to to the publication is a blessing. You know, we, we've been blessed to have the opportunity to hear from so many figures. And, you know, some of my favorite contributors, you know, I'm glad to call, you know, friends of mine like Lisa Mosley, who, you know, this last cycle she was one of the few that brought um, a Democrat to victory in a in an environment where there was a landslide, you know, we lost so many as far as the Democratic uh, Party is concerned, but she was able to bring her candidate to victory, and she has contributed to this platform. And, you know, our numbers guy, Tony, Tony often has come to this platform to help us understand the numbers behind the election. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times the truth behind the election, there have been times where, you know, the the mainstream media has given the victory to other groups. 
when in reality African Americans were the important numbers that brought that candidate to victory or defeat. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that about the political thing because we've had so many people, especially from the uh, black nationalist community, that have spoken against political involvement for black people. But at the same time, they talk about the things that they want to get from the government, from this country. And I just don't see how those two things go together, how you can get something from someone, whether rightfully or not, if you don't have discussion and participate. And this country has a participatory type of government that if you want something, you have to participate. And what we've tried to bring is people who are part of it. Uh, we've also tried to educate folks on how to better utilize it. Um, and speaking of the, yeah, and speaking of utilizing it, we've had uh, Dr. Tiffany Tyler on the platform a number of times. She's a, one of the, the leading forces at Nevada Partners, a integral force in, in, the, in this Las Vegas community. Uh, I can't speak enough to what Nevada Partners does in the community. She's been on the platform and has shared her uh Wisdom and information uh, with with the community at large as well as the world. When she come on this platform, because we are, you know, available. The whole world has access to um, our information and our shows. And you know, it takes it outside of our little humble community, Las Vegas, and takes this Las Vegas, Las Vegas, the global icon, Las Vegas, you know, further out into the world. I'd like to to think when you look at our stats and you see, you know, some some of the uh, hits of who's listening is 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 very interesting. Um, I just want to give a station ID at this point. I'm Angela Thomas, and you are on with and you know our own voices live. If you'd like to join the conversation, please call us at 347-826-9600. My man Rodney Smith is in the building, and we are celebrating five years of broadcast success today. Congratulations again. Thanks for your vision and your hard work. Uh, Lord knows, you know, you always give me credit to have had the idea to do this show, but this show would not happen if it weren't for your vigilance and dedication to the brand and to this platform. Uh, A lot of times, I I know a lot of the uh, communication and and the syndication of this product, this project would not happen uh, without your fingers tip-tip-tapping on the keyboard, making it happen in the chat room, making it happen uh, beyond iTunes, and I, you know, today I celebrate and salute you uh, for a job well done. We, when we were uh, anticipating our hundred hundred thousand listen, you know, you were you were right there counting down with me. Oh my God, we're that close! Look at that! Do you can't believe we're about to have a hundred thousand listens. That's one of the highlights this year that 
we celebrated our 100,000th listen. And, um, man, I, I, I salute you. I celebrate you because this journey would not be complete without you. And it would happen without you a lot of weeks, to be honest. So, you know, I like I said, I appreciate your vigilance and your strong voice. Well, like most things, whatever a black man does would probably not be as near nearly as good as it is, or in some cases might not get done if it wasn't for that strong black woman at his side and sometimes behind him pushing him and sometimes in front of him pulling him, but ultimately just there by his side. And uh, a lot of what we've been able to accomplish here, whatever accolades you may pass on to me, would not just simply, I mean, that's just the reality of it. It would not exist had it not been for you. So a big shout-out to Mrs. Angela Thomas for making this thing happen and giving me the inspiration to, well, just to keep keep on keeping on. Because sometimes it's just what you have to do. You just have to keep right. on keeping on. So to you, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Aww. That was to both of us. I, I I think we both deserve a round of applause. And, you know, uh, we've had the privilege of bringing other programming uh, through this network. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't thank Thomas Berry and Lee and, you know, Angela Marie, who does Needle on the Record with me. You know, we all help to bring not just this show, but blossom it into a network, and I hope to to welcome many more. We're still shooting for the goal of having a relationship show on this network. We're also still shooting for the goal of having a financial program on this network. So there's work ahead, goals ahead uh, in the future. We're also looking to uh, produce our first e-book, our first e-book, um, as we discussed, will be the black agenda, and we're going to put that out fairly soon. Yes, there's a whole bunch of things that we're working on, and one of the things, like I said, we work with others in the community, collaborate on various projects. We've been a part of the speaker series, the black speaker series, with Franklin Burley from KCEP, Power 88, and he has his show on uh, Like It Is Radio with 8 o'clock on Friday morning, and then he also participates with the station manager, Sweet Lou Collins, and, of course, the comedian AK on Wednesdays at from 6 to 8 with the breakdown on Power 88. And uh, we worked with him to bring, you know, some speakers here to Las Vegas. Last year uh, we had Dr. Smalls, and many of you may know Dr. Smalls was with Malcolm, and we've had others. And, you know, the there's we, there's a need, there's an outcry for speakers to come to Las Vegas. And I was fortunate enough to meet some brothers uh, through social media uh, who we were all talking about bringing Dr. Umar Johnson to Las Vegas. And, you know, talking is one thing, but action is another. And these brothers were willing to put action to their words. 
And we sure. have one of them on the phone uh, right now. This is Brother Kamani Kamel. And he's uh, going to tell us a little bit about the effort. It's just not done yet. This is definitely an effort and a work in progress. Welcome to the show, Brother Kamani. How are you? Welcome to the platform. Thanks so much. Welcome to the platform. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me. Now, Brother, I know that uh, you and I recently met each other, and we're working on this project together. But give the folks a little overview of, one, how we got to where we are thus far and where we really want to take this. Yeah. So, um, well, we just got together, me and a couple of guys that I know, uh, just in general, who talk about different subjects, you know, concerning our community, got together. Um, and we started talking about, you know, Dr. Lamar Johnson. And we said, you know, well, why can't Dr. Lamar Johnson come to Vegas? Why not, you know? In fact, we should be part of this uh, this national movement for this uh, grand scheme of things, which is a, a, a school, an academy for our youth. So uh, we're like, let's get him here. Let's see if we can raise a couple bucks. And uh, that's what we did. I got together with a brother that I know from out, um, that I know from social media. Um, and he's been very interested because he told me some really great enlightening things about his experience at a lecture in uh, down in Phoenix. So uh, we got together. We know of a black-owned um, facility to do lectures, uh, multimedia, and uh, a friend of mine is co-owner. So uh, we have inroads there. I said this is a perfect opportunity, you know. Um, and so now we've been uh, we've been meeting as much as we can uh, for the past two weeks. Um, a little over two weeks to get this going. It's just starting. We got the skeleton here. Uh, you know, we got the framework for a great building. So uh, we're gonna keep on pounding away at it. You know, bit by bit, uh, distributing leaflets uh, as well as raising awareness of the uh, of the likelihood of bringing uh, Dr. Umar Johnson to our community. And what is the message that you're hoping that Dr. Umar Johnson can share? With our local Las Vegas Valley community, I'm really happy you asked that. Actually, um, well, the whole entire conversation with uh, me and a couple of the brothers was because of their concern for their kids, their their boys, not say kids, for their boys in the community. And um, you know, I work in mental health. I see it as well in the mental health field here locally. And um, I said, let's let's make it about um, education. You know, especially our black boys. When I when we met with Rodney, now we all met together as a group, and Rodney really brought home the message of of education in all of this. He was able to expand our horizons a little bit uh, as far as the lack of participation locally in our school boards and in our um, different you know different government structures there to uh, to bring about better structures for black boys. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to raise awareness that. As a community, we have to uh, start to establish what we want in the school systems for our boys and, uh, you know, also be aware of the charter schools coming in, the private corporations coming in, you know, and how that exists. But we can't, we can't do anything about action. So we're going to have to, uh, you know, start to rally, start to have a focus. We want to, by doing this, by bringing Dr. Umar Johnson, I was hoping to bring families together, concerned citizens with children, uh, especially boys, and see what we can do to start to work. Uh, I think the phrase that I just heard um, the, uh, sister say was black agenda. 
Mm-hmm. We have to say what we want, and, we, and this is part of that, is the education of our boys in the public school and private school system. It, you know, that is powerful because, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that you, you, I don't think you heard this, September is International Speak Out Month. And this is the this is the time that's been set aside because someone's at some point in time felt that we needed to speak out. And if you don't speak and share with others what your needs and desires are, then it's very difficult for them to help you satisfy those needs and desires. And it's also very difficult to move on them. What I appreciated about these brothers is that they weren't just talking about it. They were willing to put skin in the game, whether that was money. You know, they say you can tell how much a person values something by how much they're willing to hit their their wallet. Well, this, these brothers were willing to hit their wallets. But then it's not just a matter of money because some people who have money can easily give money. Because time and energy is an investment as well. These brothers not only were willing to give their treasure, but they were willing to give of themselves and their time and efforts. And when I heard that, you know, there were all kind of bells and horns going off around me. Is that, hey, let me let me communicate with these brothers and let's see, you know, we've been bringing speakers in already. Let's see how we can collaborate and turn this thing into what will be beneficial to, to our community, and uh, it was refreshing to see, now again, age is relative, right? Well, to me, these <laughs> young brothers, and they're out here with that mindset. Now, Angela, you and I talked earlier about a show I did uh, called Pass the Baton. Well, see, these are some brothers that are ready for the baton. As a matter of fact, they're ready to run their leg of the race. They just mm-hmm. need that baton. And I appreciate their their enthusiasm. But here's something that I appreciate in a different capacity. is because amongst the brothers, I am the one with the most years on this earthly plane. And instead of these brothers shunning me and what I had to say and me trying to share my experiences, they actually did take the time to listen to what I had to offer and to consider it. Now, I always say, it is up to the elder to pass on what they know to the younger. And then the younger does not have does not have to use all that was passed on to them. But what they are supposed to do is receive it and then do whatever they will with it once they've received it. Well, my goal was just to share and pass on. And these brothers did their part, and they listened. And for that, brother. Thank you so much for giving me value in your efforts to bring Dr. Umar Johnson here. Wow. Wow. I appreciate that. And, I, and again, I can't thank you enough for your insight and the raising elevation of where we're going with this, uh, you know, because, you know, you helped them kind of focus, helped us to focus. Uh, what we're lacking on in Las Vegas, you actually raised awareness around our table. We had no idea that, there was there was there was a structure involved in school systems and what we can to participate and how powerful participation in school board meetings and it are and being involved in your child's school how important that is 
You know, to pay child support is one thing, and it's important. You can't downplay that. To buy, you know, food, clothing, and shelter is another thing. You can't downplay that. But no man, woman, or child is able to live on bread alone. They need, we have to, as parents, you know, if it's possible and it's concerned adults, we have to put in the time. That's that's another part of the uh, equation when it comes to investment. It's the time we have to put in to uh, educating our youth and saying what we want for our youth. So, well, I really am grateful, Rodney Smith, for you, you know, bringing, a, bringing that perspective to the table. And now that helps us to have a little more focus when it comes to this lecture series that we're trying to bring with this uh, great, profound doctor, uh, clinical psychology. Um, we want to make sure that we're able to let everybody know this is your opportunity to become aware of, you know, what it takes to help make um, the vision for teaching our boys possible. We have to be involved in the public sector. Have to be involved in the decision making. Um, there was a there was actually a really good um, analogy you brought up, or parallel you brought up, uh, Rodney, in concerns with um, teaching children mariachi in school. And that was great because, you know, those those parents really came out to the school board meeting. They did everything they had to do to get that mariachi taught to all the kids, you know, in the whole school district. That's something that we can do. We can do that with African-American history being expanded in schools. Um, and, you know, so that's at, really cool. So as, time, as time goes on, we're going to come with more formulated uh, goals for you guys and um, so that way you have something to get behind. Go ahead, Andrew. You no, were saying something? I was just going to say, and Rodney, I'm glad you shared that experience with them because you shared it with me because this year as a um, we had the opportunity to experience that band and, you know, the current members of that band. And, you know, it just warmed our hearts as, as we were there with a uh, pretty prolific global uh, artist, Miss Chrisette Wims, went by the school and spoke with the kids and, you know, listened to them play. But we, as locals to the community, and Rodney having had so much involvement with bringing that uh, particular initiative, helping to bring that particular initiative along um, to see the current members and to see African-American children uh, participating in that band and uh, enriching their uh, guitar skills and uh, enriching that, that culture, being enriched by that culture and enriching that culture themselves, it it it, it did us both good to see it. So your the fruits of your labor, you know, will manifest and, and, to, and you'll be able to go back like Rodney had the opportunity to go back this year and, you know, see how much is cherished by the kids. Yeah. You know, that was actually a very powerful experience because it's one thing when you're involved in something, but it's another thing when you see it come to fruition. And what I want folks to get out of this particular story is that there was a black elected official from the school board district who saw the need for a black person, and specifically a black male, to be on the education uh, curriculum commission. Because that means that there's someone there who has an understanding of the needs of black people when they bring 
those needs to the body. So just like those uh, Mexicanos and Latino Hispanic brought the mariachi to the body and says this is something we want and gave justification for it, there was always the constant wait for African Americans to bring their thing to the table. See, it wasn't my role to bring things to the table. It was my role to uh, mm-hmm. determine whether or not it is viable and that it has positive benefit. So when the McConnell's bought the mariachi, I could see the value that it would have to their culture because it helps those children embrace their culture, then it would be a benefit to them. Well, African Americans who had dominated the minority sector in this country for over 100 years, I never saw any of them come to the body. And I could not stir up them to come to the body to say that they wanted something. And one of the things that I kept continually pushing was that we have African-American history and culture integrated and incorporated throughout all curriculum, just like European history and culture is. I said, this is something important to the psyche of our children and how they view themselves and also the psyche of other people and how they view us. But I never could get anyone to come forward. And so for those who say that politics is not important, here was an example of a politician, the school board trustee, nominating me and pushing me through for that position so that I could be in a place of authority, power, decision-making, so that mm-hmm. when the people came to the body, that we could push something through because that's the system in which we live in. And that's one of the things that I hope that the brothers and sisters out there understand is that sometimes people are trying to do it, but those people who may be in the lead, they still need mm-hmm. the people to be supporting them and help push these things through. Go ahead, brothers. No, a, a great point, and uh, we have to do that with an organized effort to raise awareness. I think a big part of the problem here locally is not that we don't care or we don't want to make the time. I just think a lot of us aren't aware. If you were to tell 10,000 people um, about the process uh, and the effectiveness of uh, the school board trustees and the different infrastructures available, I know at least 200 people would respond. We have power here in this community, and it's okay. We just need to raise awareness, bring in Dr. Umar Johnson, a popular figure that everybody can, a lot of people can get behind and aren't very interested with, are very interested with. Uh, it's going to help raise that awareness. That's the bigger goal. Um, and just to piggyback a little bit on the importance of the, the, the point when it comes to African-American or African history, when the little boy is interacting with a, a little black boy is interacting with a European or a little Asian boy, um, no matter what happens, there's still that subconscious message that he's going to see that little black boy as only being a you know a certain kind of way. It's going to only be seen as a slave or only seen as this or only seen as that. But if we teach everybody's children that that little boy you're playing with, he comes from greatness. He's, you know, from the traffic light, uh, open heart surgery, to the great pharaohs of Egypt, to the wonderful technicians of, of, of ancient past, and, you know, all kinds of different wonderful things that we've done as Africans and African Americans. You know, we have, to, we have to make sure that we don't have the rest of the world looking down on us, because subconsciously, history, he, you know, history kind of consummates the present. 
And if you consummate the present with a past, you dominate the future. So if we allow others to dominate our past and our story and not be allowed to say what we need to say, then our present gets tainted. We look at ourselves with low self-esteem. We look at ourselves as less than. We look at ourselves as only people sitting at the table instead of those who built the table, who those who participated in organizing. And that way, and if we do that, if we look at ourselves in that negative light as children and as adults, if that's the common consciousness, the collective consciousness, we'll have a future that's very desolate. And that's what I'm afraid of, is the mentality. I think Marcus Garvey said it best when he said, don't just buy black, think black. That's a very profound statement because when we are able to tell our story, the rest of the world can know that this Afri- these Africans have brought a wonderful, wonderful narrative to the table. And when they see a black man walking down the street or a black woman walking down the street or they play with their black friend, they can see somebody else who's contributed to society just like they feel they have when it comes to history. And I, I think it's important to start teaching um, history earlier, in general, whether we're talking about, you know, uh, particular black history or any any history, world history, I think it's important also, if possible, for us to start teaching children history earlier in the schools um, because, you know, it, it, again, it sets that, that conscious, it sets that little table for them to start to look at people a certain way when they see them and interact with them. So that's a very, that's a very important thing. History is important. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been, you know. Well, brother, you said that so well, and with Dr. Omar Johnson participating in the education process, he has a wealth of knowledge of what's really going on with the system, the process, and what's going on with our children. You know, a lot of folks may not realize that our children are the ones that are often identified with learning disabilities or intellectual disabilities. Our children Mm -hmm. are the ones who are often removed from class because of these so-called disabilities. Our children are the ones who are getting psychotropic drugs put into their system that, first of all, did they really need to have those drugs put into their system, or was that just an easy way to medicate what they may not have been able to associate with learning behaviors? What will be the long-term effect of these chemicals, and obviously they're powerful chemicals because they deal with uh, the most powerful weapon ever invented, and that's the brain. Or I should say created. So we don't know what those long-term effects are going to be. We have to be engaged. And Dr. Omar Johnson, who is not only in education, but I believe he's a psychiatrist, correct? Uh, Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. is deeply involved into what happens with our children. Maybe if more folks hear what's going on in the school system, they'll understand why it's so important for them to be involved. And then finally what I want to say on the schools is when I used to be on the dropout prevention committee here for the district, and this is the fifth largest school district in the nation, by the way, for those of you who may not know. So what goes on here is very representative of what's going on elsewhere uh, for our children. And in, in, this, wow. in the study that we looked over, one of the things that we found, I mean, it was overwhelming data on this, that the most powerful indicator of a child's 
educational success did not have as much to do with money, didn't even have as much to do with teachers or the administrative staff. The number one indicator of a successful child was that child's home life slash parent. And the one thing that we have or should have control over, because I'm not going to say that we have control over it, but what we should have control over is our home. So if we want to improve the education of our children, you know, this is one of those things where we can look out and there are some things externally that need to be done, but none of those things that are done externally will have as big an impact as what we do internally, and I'm talking about the one place where we should have control, and that is our home. That is the area where we will have to make the sacrifice. And if we are not willing to make that sacrifice, our children will continually be caught up in this school-to-prison pipeline that some people call modern-day slavery. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we bring up the home life, it's just an awareness. You know, with repetition comes good behavior over time. Repetition brings about practice. Practice brings about perfection. You know, if we just use as many opportunities as possible to just put it out there, we care about about our children in the schools, and we care about their home life and their families. If we can start to see people change their behaviors in the home life with the nutrition. Nutrition is very important too, by the way, when it comes to behaviors. I don't want to. I don't want to downplay the importance of that as well. Um, we have um, what you call nutritional deserts throughout the um, black communities in America. That's another uh, something else we need to address. But the bigger picture here is going to be the home. That's what it comes back to is the home. Part of participation. Guess what affects the kids too? If the little guys and little girls see their daddy and mama. In the in the in the school board meetings after work, instead of sitting around playing PlayStation, what does that say to them? What does that say to them that a they're important and b when they get older they want to be involved? See, think about those little boys and little girls going to those school board meetings and seeing their parents speak and being proud of their parents. What kind of effect is that going to have on them? And what kind of what what, what are they, how, how far are they going to take that image in their mind? That is so important. This is such a great opportunity. Uh, I have to wrap it up. I've got a little work to do today, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to call in and uh, share uh, the the collective vision um, that we have. And uh, please, please, um, like I said, please just be as as aware as possible of not just what you say to a child, but also in what you do because they're watching children are watching. So on that note, I'm going to get off the phone with you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you guys have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, brother. All right. Powerful comments from Brother Kamani Kamel, part of the four elements working on bringing Dr. Omar Johnson here to Las Vegas to discuss education, education, uh, how it's impacting our children, how that's ultimately impacting our community, and the roles that each one of us play in this. Uh, You all are listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 out east. And today's topic is Our Own Voices Live celebrates 
five years on the air. And then you had Brother It's our Kamani anniversary. We're okay. doing a dance and singing a song today. <laughs> you know, I would bring Absolutely. out my Tony, 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 but I'm a little sick, so I may not be able to hit that, that note. So, uh, <laughs> and then the uh, second part of the show was Dr. Umar Johnson uh, coming to Las Vegas. We believe that that can uh, happen. So, um, Wow. Uh, September is International Speak Out Month. We try to speak out every month. And the way that we do it is with shows like Our Own Voices Live and then the various activities that we have in the community. Uh, We also have a literacy book drive that we do that you'll be hearing more about uh, soon. Uh, Initially, it was done just to get books into our community. Uh, Mr. Sam Smith used to tell us that a child with a personal library of 10 books or more was more apt to graduate high school and live a productive life and less likely to be in that uh, school-to-prison pipeline. Our goal has been to give each year 10 books to 1,000 students. Uh, we also give books to their parents because if the parents are reading, the child is reading. Uh, look for Curtis uh, Green with Hattie's Closet to be at the uh, uh giving out uh, books as well as clothing items every month. And uh, he's going to be right across from the Nucleus Plaza at Edmonds Town Center doing that every month. Very Uh, nice. And he's asked if uh, he could collaborate, if we could collaborate together on this effort. And, of course, I said, once I get well, we can discuss it. But I look forward to that collaboration. It's a matter of being like a farmer and planting seeds. And the thing about when you plant seeds is that you don't reap the harvest when you plant seed. You plant seed first, and then you tend to what you planted. And over time, you will see a fragile, fragile little bud push its way through the soil. And then from that, whether it's a corn stalk or whether it's a wheat field, it is something that will nourish multitudes from that one seed, multiple meals. So patience is something that we do need to cultivate a little more, but we continue to move forward because the farmer, it's, though he may not, it may not be in planting season, it may be harvesting season, but then after harvesting season, we'll come planting season again. You have to till the ground and so forth. And it's a continual cycle of life. If we want to grow and then to be nourished, we have to continue to plant and to seed. Our Own Voices Live is an effort. There's many efforts. Just like we have Dr. Omar Johnson coming here. He's not the only one talking about the things that we need. We also have uh, Dr. Kawanji Benjufu, who's talking about some things. As a matter of fact, we're reading a book on black economics and community empowerment as a group so that we can be on the same page. And it could have been many other books. Uh, Claude Anderson has books. They all tend to be in the same mode. And for me, it's getting one sticking with it, and then building off of it. And that's how we will plant the seeds of growth in our community. 
you know, Angela, it has been a unique experience and an enlightening experience to do these shows with you. Uh, there's background research that goes into the topic that, of course, means that we have to do the background research because we don't have a staff. Right. And doing a lot of that background research, it brings about an awareness to me that I may not have had. And I will continue to, to mention uh, the Mandela segment that we did and the research that went into it and how learning about him deeper was just amazing and enlightening to me. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. And I talked about Dr. Robert Green. And, you know, we did an interview with Reverend Billy Kyles, who was there when Martin was shot. You know, we and we have a, a just a list of folks in the pantheon of the black experience that we can name, and we're so I know I'm so blessed to be a part of that. Absolutely, and you know, today we're celebrating the anniversary of of our own voices live. But you know, I as I, I stated a little earlier in the broadcast, I also wanted to. You know, that's just the the stuff that we, some of the things that we've highlighted on this program with us becoming a network a couple of years back and bringing other voices to the platform. Um, I'd like to invite everybody to check out all of the archival um, product that's available um, on the platform from um, Brother <clears throat> Brother Lee's program to Thomas Berry's program, uh, all have been, you know, interesting, introspective, and uplifting and fun. Uh, my program, Needle on the Record, having, you know, one of the highlights for me this year was having the opportunity. And, you know, it was a, it was a bittersweet day for me that day, having the opportunity to talk with a business icon like Bob Johnson to bring him to uh, my humble platform. And um, on that same day, I learned that that Sam Smith, I I call him Dr. Sam Smith, but he wasn't technically a doctor, but he certainly uh, had a lot of patience and a lot of folks that he ministered to, and, you know, we lost him physically, uh, being a part of our physical world, but I know that he is smiling uh, at being able to see, you know, uh, his contribution to uh, us getting to know each other, to pick, you know, bringing, coming from that conversation and moving into action and picking up the phone and calling one another to learn what we were doing. If it were not for Sam Smith, I would not have had the opportunity to meet and grow this uh, brand and and experience this platform and this very unique uh, opportunity to have a five-year dialogue with you uh, and the the community and the country and the globe. so I, I salute you, I, I, I celebrate you, and I, I thank you for taking this journey with me. And, you know, something new that has that, that is taking place today, I'm, I'm a part, last week, those who listened to the show last week, Rodney wasn't with us, 
and it was an abbreviated show, but what I wanted to do was highlight uh, some of the things that were uh, going on with the arts community here in Las Vegas. So I was able to bring several organizations and uh, fellow filmmaker <clears throat> to the platform to talk about what they were doing. Uh, one project that I didn't have an opportunity to mention was uh, tptlive.com, which is an African-American-owned streaming platform, and today is their launch day. And I had the opportunity over the last few months to um, take part in helping uh, the owner, Stephen Thomas, no relation. He's not my brother or my husband, <laughs> uh, but he is of good fortune to be a Thomas. So uh, his platform launches today at 3.30, where we will be streaming live the Extraordinary People Awards. Uh, at the red carpet starts at 3.30. Uh, its broadcast is streaming from Dallas. And, you know, where was I? How did I meet this young man? I was at the Black Expo with who? Rodney Smith. <laughs> Another Rodney Smith connection today uh, is is coming uh, on online, and you know, not on, this is the beginning. Uh, some of our video plans that that we haven't really talked with you guys about. We're about to take our own voices live to Periscope. Uh, we're also going to be a part of TPT Live, uh, the tptlive.com platform. So go on today, starting at three thirty. Make yourself familiar. Uh, the Extraordinary People Awards is what we're streaming today, but we're uh, coming up with the Masters of Funk concert in October. Uh, also, last week I had Carol O on. We're going to be bringing her to the tptlive.com platform with her Dollars and Cents music conference. Because I've had 20-plus years in entertainment, mostly the music business, you know, I, I can I, if I had a, a dollar for every time someone called me or called upon me or referenced someone, you know, refer someone to me to talk to me about uh, their interest in the entertainment business. I'm so happy that I have an opportunity to bring something like dollars and cents to a streaming platform so everyone can uh, get the knowledge that you need to be successful in in that arena. Um, so, you know, today is a great day. Um, I'm happy five years. It, it does. It seems like five minutes. We have so much more to offer and so much more that we're doing, and I look forward to the challenge. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty much I could go on and on talk because we those 400 shows we barely touched the surface on yeah. some of the ones that were impactful immediately, some of the ones that planted seeds for a later harvest, uh, some of the ones that we're looking at doing in the near future. Uh, many of you may not know that uh, last week was the anniversary of the founding of L.A., and that was done by a combination of Mexicanos, uh, Mexican blacks, and freed and former blacks uh, who who came to that area of California and founded the city of L.A. Um, so there's, you know, we always try to give out a little bit of history in the show. 
And I'm also working with someone to do that in a, a slightly greater capacity. So look for some exciting uh, additions to Our Own Voices uh, Live. Again, thank you all so much for supporting us with your listening time. Uh, the good thing about the shows is you can you can find them on podcasts. You can get them in iTunes. You can always do a uh, Google or browser search for Our Own Voices Live, and it will bring us up. Please share it with a friend. And, and also go to the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page. Uh, since this is International Speak Out Month, I want to grow that page with 200 additional likes for this month. And I don't think that's that big of an ask, considering how many people listen to the Our Own Voices uh, platform, and that was ASK, for those of you who might have been listening. Uh, but we, we're, we're trying to get, I would like to get 200 more likes of people who support the Our Own Voices live page. And uh, spread the word, share it, and if you haven't liked our page yet, please do so. That's Our Own Voices live. And drop us some comments on some shows that you would like to hear and also comment on the shows that you have heard. And feel free to enjoy the wealth of our archives. Well, Angela, there's another one in the book. Our Own Voices Live, and we also had a chance to give out some information about an upcoming event that's a collaborative and joint venture to bring Dr. Omar Johnson here. Uh, we also talked at the beginning of the show about the HBCU uh, event at Doolittle Community Center. Hopefully you all will go down there. I think it, you have a, a couple more hours, I believe, until it's over. Uh be involved and be knowledgeable. Sam Smith says that we should be excellent and be excellent. You know, there really wasn't nothing else that needed to be said. He says we should be excellent. Examine yourself, and if you're not excellent, then put things in place to bring you closer to that excellence that Sam Smith spoke of. Well, Angela, that pretty much does it for this uh, show and this uh, five-year celebration of Our Own Voices Live. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next Saturday. Indeed, next Saturday. That'll be 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. 3.30 out east. Uh, Intel Make it a great week. And I look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. Later.